Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I don't know if you've seen it before, but a demon-oppressed man is not happy. He is controlled by another power that takes control of his body to use it to commit violence and other shameful sins. And even to speak through that person, to announce his name, to to speak of his wicked intentions, to even mock the people around, taunt them. And when a person sees the the claws of, of Satan tearing at another human being that has been created in the image of God, it's, it's heart-wrenching. And one quickly becomes aware that Satan is a strong bully that only seeks to destroy everything that is beautiful and good. A demon-oppressed person also shows visibly and in a shocking way, what is real for all who belong to the kingdom of darkness, what they can expect for eternity. In our reading today, we see that Jesus had compassion on the man who had been made blind and mute from the demon. The Lord Jesus does not want covenant children to undermine the destructive power of the evil one or to be led astray into the hands of of the demons and the evil one by temptations. He does not want us for, he does not want this for us and he does not want us to pursue this life of darkness. And so he teaches us to pray And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And when we think about these words that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, we see, brothers and sisters, right away, we see that the spiritual battle is real. The tempter wants to destroy the church. And his claws are are grasping at your life to pull you to be with him. He's like, says Peter, a, a roaring lion looking for someone to destroy. And what a blessing it is that Jesus taught us to desire and even to pray to be delivered from the evil one. Because that means that we can be delivered. There is real hope in this teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ because we belong to the kingdom of God. We saw that in Psalm 9, the one enthroned on the, uh, on, the, on the throne of judgment. He has the power and the glory forever and ever. God has promised that he will not allow his children to become by evil or by the evil one. He said that we won't be tempted beyond our strength. And so we can pray this sixth petition, realizing the battle is real, but also with confidence. Remembering the gospel of Matthew 12, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has overcome the evil one. 
I preach to you this gospel which we take hold of when we pray, Father, lead us by your Spirit to share in Christ's victory over the evil one. We will see that we ask God to lead us to see that Christ is victorious. Secondly, to lead us to fight in the Spirit's power. And third, to lead us to peace in God's kingdom. And so we pray, Father, lead us by your Spirit to share in Christ's victory over the evil one. And first, to see that Christ is victorious. When you look at Matthew 12, you will notice that this revelation of who our Lord Jesus Christ is is found in the context of the Pharisees' hatred and rejection of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 tells us they're out, they're conspiring to kill him, it's conspiring against the anointed king that God placed on his throne as the promised Messiah and the son of David. And so they excluded themselves from all his benefits. Although they thought they believed in God, they did not submit to God in his fullness. And they ended up calling the Son of God the servant of Beelzebul. We see the weakness of their own flesh. It made it impossible for them to distinguish between the, the king of heaven and the prince of demons. And sometimes the, the wording behind some of the versions points to the Lord of the flies, the prince of demons, Beelzebul. And the Pharisees sinned. They blasphemed against the Son of Man. They set themselves against the one who, who drove out the demons. And the Lord Jesus warns they were about to be scattered in verse 30. We see, brothers and sisters, then, that Satan is a very dangerous enemy. Even though they had sons, probably disciples, who were also casting out demons, they certainly had not outwitted the evil one. And we see he is a dangerous enemy, not just for the Pharisees, but, but for everyone who takes his or her eyes off of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus declares clearly in our text that he is the only hope for victory in the spiritual battle against our sworn enemies. We confess the devil, the world, and our own flesh. We pray the sixth petition looking to Jesus Christ, looking to the Son of God who took on human flesh and says Hebrews who was tempted in every way just like we were. We look to Jesus Christ because he resisted the devil. He overcame all temptations. Revelation 12 tells us that the devil was attacking the church, attacking the son since the curse of Genesis 3. And then when the Messiah was born of the Virgin Mary, Satan attempted to destroy the church's only hope for all eternity. Maybe you, you just read about Jesus' temptation in, in sort of a, a storybook way. It seemed interesting to you. But here we see that culmination of the attack of Satan against the very Son of God. Matthew 4, Luke 4, 
The Holy Spirit reveals that Satan came early in Christ's ministry to tempt him, just like the devil had come to tempt Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And when the devil found Jesus, he found him in a much harsher place than paradise. Instead of tempting, instead of tempting well-fed, happy people with a piece of forbidden fruit from one tree and in a beautiful orchard where they could walk in peace with their creator, the devil talked to a hungry man in a desert who was feeling the burden of God's wrath against him for the sins of all the people. When the devil came to Adam and Eve, they couldn't make anything better for themselves. But our Lord Jesus was able to use his, his divinity, his power, to make his own life way easier. He could have turned those stones into bread and to take away his hunger after not eating for 40 days. He could have tested God's love for him by, by jumping off the building. He could have avoided all the suffering and gained the kingdom for himself. He had the power, and all he had to do, said Satan very clearly, was all you have to do is disobey your Father in heaven. You can gain the kingdom for yourself without any suffering. Well, thanks be to God. Unlike Adam and Eve who had everything in paradise and unlike we ourselves as well, don't just blame Adam and Eve. Unlike Adam and Eve, they had everything in paradise. Jesus Christ, who had nothing in the desert, trusted God's word completely and submitted himself to his Father's plan, repeatedly saying, it is written. When the devil tempted him, he just pointed to the Bible. He said, it is written. And the great comfort for us is that our Lord Jesus Christ overcame where Adam and Eve had failed. He fulfilled the obedience that humankind obeyed to God. He broke the alliance with the devil. He was no servant of Beelzebul. And as our new Lord and Master, he gives us great hope in that struggle against the evil one. We call him our Lord. We call him our Savior. He is the one who resisted much greater temptation than Adam and Eve in paradise. And brothers and sisters, the gospel is we no longer need to destroy the evil one in our own strength because Jesus already did this in place of all who believe in him. He was faithful to God and believed in his word so that in him, and we sang it, we sang it in the different psalms that we have already sung, in him we could have freedom from the dominion of Satan. Like that, that bird fleeing the, the fowler's net. And we can be restored to new life in God's kingdom. That's the starting point of our prayer of the sixth petition. We look to the victorious Lord Jesus Christ and we say, 
deliver us from the evil one. And we can pray this. O oh Lord, lead us to see Christ Jesus' victory so that we hide ourselves in him even as we pray and that we share in the freedom that he obtained for us. Jesus confirmed his power over the evil one in the passage we read in Matthew 12 when he healed the blind and mute demon-oppressed man. Jesus told them that at that time, or Jesus told them at that time that his power testified that the kingdom of God has come. And rather than being an ally of Beelzebul, Jesus was the devil's most feared enemy. Our Lord Jesus was the devil's most feared enemy. We are greatly comforted, brothers and sisters, to see that when God's kingdom advances, the, the devil loses his power over everyone who believes and worships Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus compares himself to a soldier in a kingdom tying up a strong man to plunder his house. And he teaches us with these words that he has come to rescue his children who were trapped in Satan's house. He has come to rescue those who are trapped. The bonds Satan puts around people. And brothers and sisters, if you have ever seen a demon, a person possessed by a demon, you know what an unbelievable, blessed, happy relief this gospel message is. There is a power that is stronger than Satan himself. Our Lord Jesus is more powerful than the devil. And when his light advances, he limits the, the, the evil one's dark power so that although the danger is and, and remains real, we can be sure that our Lord Jesus is able to help anyone who is ensnared in the devil's trap. The gospel, this gospel serves as an important background to the promise that with the temptation, he will always give a way out. Matthew declares it to us clearly. We read it and we can smile because our Lord is more powerful. And when we pray to God in Jesus Christ, in the weakness of temptation, when we are feeling that, that burden of our own sins, the Holy Spirit leads us to see our Savior and our Lord as a victorious soldier. Although our sins often make us feel like we are, we are trapped, like stolen goods in, in a corner, dark corner of the devil's house, and we, we were constantly being drawn away from God and his love through, through countless temptations, which we have so much trouble resisting. Brother and sister, you're not alone. But as we're feeling that, the trapped feeling, the darkness, the Lord Jesus busts down the door 
to let the light shine into the darkness. And he comes to rescue his sheep. Imagine if you're that captor or the captive, the person who was captured, stuck in the corner, hopeless, unable to get out. The Lord Jesus stands in. He says, you're free. He tied up the strong man. He broke his power and his control over us. So that as we enter the light, the chains that held us even fall away. That's the Lord we worship. That's the Lord we pray to. When we pray the sixth petition, we ask God to lead us by the Spirit so that we may see that victory of Jesus Christ, that we may receive it with gratitude. You know what? Even knowing this, so often we are like the Israelites. Yeah, the Israelites who were set free from slavery, they're on the verge of entering the promised land. We read about that last week. And then they began to desire to return to slavery again. That happens to us, doesn't it? Even while the light is shining in our prisons, we, we start to become afraid to, to leave the darkness. And we find to our horror, to our shame, that sometimes we are tempted to actually stay under the dominion of Satan. Or in the darkness. We ask ourselves the question, do I really want to leave a world where it's okay to put myself first? I kind of like that. Do I really want to leave that darkness where sinful sinful pleasures are, are celebrated rather than condemned, that, that Hollywood movie world where everybody sleeps with whoever? Isn't that where I really want to be? And those doubts, the hesitation, it, it, it comes in even while the light is shining. We hear the gospel proclaimed. We know that Jesus is victorious. The Lord Jesus taught us to pray because he knows the temptations we face. He knows Israel's problem in the desert. He knows our temptations. He knows how we are often useless, bruised reeds or faintly burning wicks to use the illustration of Isaiah. But rather than forsake us in our blindness, he promises that he will not break us. He will not quench our flames, but he will give us what we need to walk to complete victory. So we pray, Lord, lead us to fight in the Spirit's power. Temptations are all around us. We all face temptations. Ever since the devil rebelled against God and our first parents fell into sin and the offspring of the serpent began to populate the earth like weeds among the grain, there has been a, there has been a spiritual battle. 
And in this battle, we are, we are often these bruised reeds and these smoldering wicks. The hardest enemy to see is our own flesh and our own selfish desires, whether they be desires for possessions or desires for feelings of self-worth or desires for power. Selfish desires turn our eyes away from God's glory and direct our eyes to ourselves so much so that our view of others is often nothing more than a comparing view. Always comparing. It leads us to much envy. The devil uses human selfishness and and envy like gasoline that he throws on the fires of the embers of temptation so that they they burst into flame in our life with the, the force of hell. As he leads us by the nose of our cravings away from the Lord. And all the while, we think we're in control. We know those temptations. We know that blindness, it's a constant battle. Pride blinds our hearts often when we think we are standing strong. We are the most vulnerable. In the church, there are many self-acclaimed spiritual superheroes with the gift of the gab. They look quite capable with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They, They love to let everyone know how much they know. The big arguments and the way they, they discuss the topics. But how quickly they are destroyed when their pride rots from the inside out and begins to destroy what Paul calls the breastplate of righteousness, the, the righteous living. Or when a person's faith is in their own strength and not in the the power of our victorious Lord Jesus Christ, we find that that shield of faith cannot protect a person from the flaming darts of the evil one. There's a tendency even among us to deny the truth. Paul calls it the belt of truth. To deny the truth is like, like cutting the belt which holds our armor together and then having our pants fall down so that we are dangerously exposed to the claws of Satan who tries to pull us away from our service to our King Jesus Christ. And Jesus taught us to pray, O Lord, help us to keep that helmet of salvation on our heads. Although we know that you never tempt us, And that in your infinite wisdom you have not removed all temptations yet. We pray, do not lead us into temptation. Do not lead us into temptation so that we succumb and that we are overwhelmed by our pride. Help us, O Lord, to have our eyes open so that we can pass by temptation and even fight against it. Lead us to fight not in our own strength, but in the Holy Spirit's power. That's what we read about the Lord Jesus. He cast out demons, verse Matthew 12, verse 28, by the Spirit of God. 
We wonder, what does that look like? What does it look like when he cast out demons by the Spirit of God? If you look at Matthew 4 and Luke 4, you see that when he was tempted in the desert, the Lord Jesus didn't use any super divine powers to resist the devil. We already said that he kept returning to the Scriptures. He quoted God's promises. He said, it is written. And so Satan left him. And throughout his life, the Lord Jesus used the, what are called sometimes the ordinary means of constant prayer and bold confession and complete trust in the Word of God and the faithfulness of his Father. Jesus didn't use any secret rites and sweet-smelling incense or other activities that can only be performed by a few superpowers in the church to resist the devil. But when we look to Scripture, we see that he relied completely on God. And he did it in a way that you can still do today. So when Peter tells you, resist the devil and he will flee from you, he tells us this because we can. When we pray the sixth petition, we pray, O oh Lord, keep us from entering into temptation, but help us to recognize, to see it from afar. Even while we are on our knees praying to you and, and being instructed by your word to know better, Oh Lord, humble ourselves before you. Help us to walk in quiet trust in you and in your power through the use of these ordinary means. And you thought it was just a family tradition to sit around the table as a family and read the Bible and to pray. It's a spiritual battle. You're arming yourself to stand firm. You're complimenting your prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Paul calls, he speaks about the whole armor of God. We made some allusions to that already. You can read more about that in Ephesians 6. A humble soldier will know how much he needs that armor of God. And he will maintain every part of it. He will hunger and thirst for genuine righteousness, sincerity of faith, integrity in his life, so that his chest and his stomach and his feet remain protected. He will study God's word and be convinced of the truth so that his belt stays on and his armor stays together. His shield will be of durable faith that connects him to the king of heaven, the king who tied up the strong man and destroyed the evil one, who rebukes the demons and they flee from him because they fear him as they stumble over one another and cowering away from his throne. He's the one who destroyed the evil one. He gives our our shield, that strength. 
The sword will be sharpened with much study of God's word as we read Ephesians 6 verse 8 as he prays at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication not only for himself but also for his fellow soldiers. And so he is ready because he knows the gospel of peace and reconciliation. He knows the value of that that, that king coming in that sheds the light onto the darkness. He is ready because he knows the sovereign and eternal king stands behind him and gives strength to everything he can do. The uh, humble soldier who trusts in God alone and not depending on his own strength, that soldier will not go down to defeat in this spiritual battle, but will obtain the complete victory. God leads us to peace in his kingdom. We pray, O Lord, lead us to this peace. Because stress weakens our resistance. And as Christians, we need the quiet peace of rest with God in his kingdom. The Lord Jesus shows that in order to have true peace as part of the kingdom, we first need to submit to him as our Lord and our Savior. He says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. The warning is further clarified when Jesus equates persisting in rebellion against him with blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He does it at the end of chapter 12, verse 31. When a person rejects God's word continually, when a person persists in resisting the Holy Spirit by denying and and screaming against the, the clear evidence of our Lord Jesus Christ, And so does what the writer of Hebrews warns against. He crucifies the Lord Jesus over and over again. The Lord Jesus says, such a person will not be forgiven. Persistence in sin will not be forgiven. That means loving your sin, loving your rebellion until your dying day is like inviting Satan to to rip his claws through your heart. It will have eternal consequences. The prayer is not just a prayer that little children say that we think is cute. We need to be delivered from the evil one. Oh Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Do not allow us to destroy us. Do not allow him to destroy us in this way. And the gospel of salvation, brothers and sisters, is that we can know when we pray. And I preach to you again this afternoon. The Lord Jesus offers the complete forgiveness of of all our sins. And every blasphemy that we have spoken against God and his kingdom... And with these words, he, he calls not only the Pharisees, but all of us here today who are so saddened and even maybe ashamed by our continual rebellion or our addictions or our pride or our envy 
or our selfishness, all that we confess every Sunday again as we hear the commandments. He calls all of us to him to look to Jesus Christ. He calls us to his work where we can find forgiveness. That is a beautiful promise. Complete purity. His words make it clear that there is forgiveness. Even if we feel that we have blasphemed against the Son of Man, that's an incredible thing for our Lord Jesus to say. Connected to a lack of understanding. This verse probably means that it's, it's in times when the full details of his gracious work were, were not known to us and then we sinned against him. The, the Pharisees saw the Son of Man and it was ambiguous or perhaps there's ignorance today for whatever reason. The gospel message is the bruised reed he will not break, a contrite heart he will not reject. The smoldering wick, the little candle that's barely burning, he will not snuff out. What a Lord we serve. What a gracious message we have. The broken and confused sinner he will not crush under his feet. When God sends his son, when God sends his spirit in your heart, when the Holy Spirit instructs you with His Holy Word, hear the words of grace and follow Him. And Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. That's the gospel we embrace and love and, and proclaim throughout the world. Rest for your souls. That rest is not the, the rest of an empty house swept clean of all demons. If you have Matthew 12 open, you can see that. It's a little further on. We didn't read it. Verses 43 to 45. The rest is not the rest of the house swept clean that's in danger of being re-inhabited by seven other spirits more evil than the first, but it is the rest of the good fruit, the good tree, the rest that is connected to the fount of life so that it is actively producing fruit. When we are in Christ, we don't, have, we don't leave a vacuum that we are tempted to fill with the things that Satan conveniently offers at the right time, but we will fill our rooms with the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. We will embrace the peace that we have in God's kingdom. We will, our, our home will be overflowing with talk and prayer and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ and his victory. Sometimes you meet people, they come, all they do is they complain about the church, about people around them, about their situation. They have a difficult life. They have trouble seeing the positive side. Maybe they come to church, they just sleep. They're in grave danger. And then there's others who reflect on Jesus Christ regularly. They fill their hearts, the rooms of their hearts, with, with the good things that they have in Jesus Christ that he gives to them. And the, the joy begins to build up. 
And then all of a sudden, the temptation to have what, what other people have, that, that envy, it disappears. Because we see the riches we have in Jesus Christ. Who wants what unbelievers have when we have these eternal riches. Or the infatuation with ourselves and, and our own little temporary kingdoms and the make of our car and the size of our home and, and the exoticness of our vacation that so often can interfere, that can lead away from the self-sacrificial love with God. Well, well that, that all disappears when we see the glory of the eternal kingdom that we are a part of in Jesus Christ, when we see our victorious Savior, we see the bigger picture. Why would I want to miss a day of worship and rest in the kingdom of God just to run after the temporary illusions of pleasure that will never satisfy we put the two together, the temptations disappear. Lord, we pray, lead us to avoid idolatry and covetousness. Help us to embrace the true rest that comes with content hearts in your kingdom, your power, your glory. And the final words of the prayer that Jesus taught us assure us that we keep us that we keep the right attitude. Again, with the image of Psalm 9 in our heads, we say it. We end our prayer, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forevermore. That's a choice. That's a statement about where our heart, where our lives will be dedicated. There is not, there's no doubt that whoever believes in God will have rest from all the temptations and all the attacks of the enemies. Because God's kingdom is forever. It is true and certain. We say amen. True and certain that God as king is both willing and able to give us new hearts and new desires that will one day be free from all the taint of sin. Oh Lord, we pray we know your love. We know your power. We see victorious Lord Jesus Christ and we trust in you with all our hearts. What a blessing it is to desire what our Lord Jesus desired to pray what our Lord Jesus taught us to pray and to know that in him every word will be heard and every desire granted. Amen.